Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our uh, live stream. Today, we are discussing about white hat SEO. Uh, without any black hat SEO, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm so excited to have an awesome guest and expert in this niche, Lily Ray. Welcome to our hey. show. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Oh. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, uh, before we start, uh, introduce a little bit about yourself because uh, I often see your content on many recognizable blogs, uh, uh, YouTube channel, SEMrush, Search Engine Journal, and yeah, you share a lot of uh, insights how to promote websites and uh, i've seen that you're a musician as well dj uh, tell me why do you choose seo and about your background sure yeah um so i've been doing seo just over 10 years now i live in new york city i've worked at a couple agencies and primarily i've worked in the agency world so i've worked on like probably hundreds of different clients at this point and um, the last few years, I've been doing a lot of sharing and, and researching and writing and speaking at conferences and things like that. Um, my big kind of focus and the thing that people know me for is EAT. So I talk a lot about expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. But really, that's a pretty all-encompassing term for like helping websites improve their visibility in, in many categories and uh, kind of recovering or preparing uh, from Google's core updates, which tend to be pretty impactful for a lot of different sites. So my team and I have been focusing pretty heavily on that. Yeah, yeah, I found a lot of your insights about uh, the parameter it. And yeah, uh, I have this question, you know, I want to ask about the it. I know that you shared a lot of insights, but we can uh, tell more uh, for our audience uh, why it's so important today to pay attention with it. Sure, yeah. I mean, so EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, is something that Google talks a lot about throughout its documentation, and that's been increasing over the last few years. So if you read Google search quality guidelines, if you read um, what webmasters should know about core updates, which is the document that they share every time there's a big core update, um, some documentation around Google Discover, Google News, they always talk about EAT. Even YouTube, they talk about it. So this mm -hmm. is really like the underlying principle behind surfacing trustworthy, relevant, high quality, accurate information in the search results. And on the flip side, reducing the visibility of like fake news, conspiracy content, you know, dangerous medical advice, things that aren't really backed up with facts and evidence. So, you know, not every client that I work on or every site that my team and I focus on is necessarily impacted by, you know, a lack of EAT. Sometimes there's other big technical SEO issues or other issues that we address. But for websites that have been greatly negatively impacted over the last few years of Google's core updates, we tend to see a pattern that EAT is one of the biggest uh, concerns. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I got uh, all these insights, but uh, what about practical tips? For example, uh, I have a website. I wanna to optimize with uh, the parameter it uh, to highlight my expertise, uh, uh, authority, trustworthiness, what I need to do, where to pay attention uh, in the first stage. Yeah. So in terms of practical tips, there's like hundreds of different things you need to be doing. There's no silver bullet. There's no quick fix. You need to build up your reputation as an individual or a business. You need to make it so that when people search for your name or your business, that 
you know, good information has surfaced. There's good reputation around your brand. There's good reviews. Um, people tend to know you because of your expertise in a certain area. So you're maybe producing good content. Maybe you're doing video marketing. Whatever the case may be, you need to become a recognized entity, either yourself or your brand or whatever it is that you're promoting, so that when, you know, in Google search quality guidelines, what they tell the search quality raters to do is to do reputation research around the brand and the individuals that work there. So you basically need to put yourself in a position where if that reputation research is being done, then you have a, a good reputation online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, okay. Uh, what about um, uh, the parameter trust? For example, um, if someone opens uh, my website or my client's website, uh, how I can uh, increase my trust? Uh, for example, uh, I often see some blogs that uh, uh, submit uh, text from copywriters who don't know the topic, or for example, uh, they have no expertise. Uh, or what I need to do uh, to uh, uh, remove all these tags or um, and uh, just order uh, hire some experts who know my topic or it's better to write myself uh, how to increase this trust uh, on your website without I mean like uh, building reputation online so again like you have to make smart business decisions so it's not like oh I'll just go hire all these writers and they're experts and that's going to fix my problem as a brand mm -hmm. like you have to think about really truly especially if you're a company where there's experts on staff so let's say you're a plumbing business there's plumbers that work at your business that are experts in plumbing so you shouldn't be hiring some copywriter to write about plumbing when you could just be consulting people on your staff who can maybe help you not necessarily write the content but like review the content or provide expertise about the content so whatever it is that your business is there should already be people on staff that you can trust or else there's mm -hmm. bigger problems with your business so look for ways to incorporate those people into your content marketing strategy into the website like sometimes there's experts that work at a company and there's a disconnect between the content that's offered online about who works there so in many cases you can just say hey this is a picture of the people that work at our team this is how long we've been in business so you know maybe you have really good reviews on trustpilot or other third-party review websites have you made that clear throughout your content uh, maybe you've won awards or you've been in business a certain amount of time. Just demonstrating all those features of your of your business is what you can do to increase trust. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Okay, guys, uh, if you have a website, please uh, submit in the comments. We will provide some insights about your website. We can help you <laughs> to lead in the right direction. And uh, uh, tell me more about uh, authority. I mean, like authority is connected to links uh, to get authoritative and relevant links or uh, it's something else. I think links is probably one of the biggest aspects of how Google determines authority. And that's just because for certain topics, it's very difficult to get very high quality, high authority links. So if you are able to get them, that speaks to the authoritativeness of your brand. So for example, if you're a medical website or a health related website, if you have links from, I don't know, the, the Mayo Clinic or like you know any other very highly authoritative organization or publication, that's probably a good indication that you can be trusted because not every site can get links from a site like that. Mm -hmm. So I think Google does that type of evaluation when it's determining authoritativeness. But I also think it's very important to look at like what content you offer on the site, what's resonating with consumers like and your audience. So sometimes I work on sites that talk about way too many different topics. 
And when you start to analyze the performance, you'll notice that there are certain areas where they don't tend to do well. So maybe that speaks to a lack of authority on those topics. So really kind of laser focus on where you do have authoritativeness, especially when it comes to your money, your life content, and don't spread yourself too thin with talking about too many different topics where you're not actually a true expert. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, if you're talking about white hat SEO, I, I think the most uh, hardest part uh, is to create links, yep, uh, to earn these links. Uh, how you can do it? Because, uh, for example, even if you have high quality content, uh, but it's not uh, linkable content, <laughs> nobody wants to link to this content. How to uh, find this linkable content or, or uh, any suggestion how to create this content? Yeah, so I'm probably different than uh, some of your other guests on this question. Um, my personal philosophy and my strategy and the, what I apply for most of my clients is not necessarily thinking about the links first. It's thinking about answering questions first and providing really good value, high quality content. Um, mm -hmm. Myself, for example, I do a lot of publishing and writing and, and research. I'm not thinking about link building when I do that. I'm just not. Do I get tons of links? Absolutely. I get links all the time. In many cases, I go back and I check the links for my personal site or for the path site. And I'm like, wow, you got really good links after that article. But that's not my concern. That's not what's driving me to produce the content. I'm producing the content because it's, I think, high quality content. I'm doing a lot of research. I'm providing value. I'm, I'm adding new information that people haven't talked about before. So that's the philosophy that my team and I use with our clients. If you're doing that correctly, and if you're really answering a question that that your audience has, or maybe something they don't even know, questions they, they don't even know that they have, if you're adding that value, and you're you know maybe promoting things correctly through social media or through Twitter, through Reddit, generally speaking, the links will build themselves. Um, I don't really spend all my time reaching out to people and asking them to link to my stuff because mm -hmm. my my focus is just on providing good content. So. Yeah, awesome, awesome. You know, uh, I often uh, reply to uh, the same questions when uh, clients ask me, tell me more about SEO. I, <laughs> I usually reply, forget about SEO, really. Think about people, about your audience, customers, provide content for them. And when you create this content, you can optimize with uh, SEO, optimizing titles, uh, some uh, uh, including keywords in your text. Yeah, uh, it's simple. Don't try to manipulate the search system and provide some high quality content first. Yeah, yeah. good. Uh, okay, we have the question from Charles. Um, how do you determine it for topic areas which are not your money, your life? So I've kind of always said that EAT matters more for content that is your money, your life and nature, although Google only provides like five or six examples of what it means to be your money, your life, which are pretty all encompassing topics. So things like news and politics, medical, financial, legal, different areas where the search results are actually can potentially have a big impact on people's health or their well-being or their financial security. So that's generally when we talk about YMYL, we're talking about those categories. But there's plenty of different categories online that people write about that are still important. So like, you know, if you're, if you have like a photography blog or whatever, like you still want it to be high quality content. So no matter what you're writing about or no matter what your business is, there's ways to demonstrate good EAT. And it always comes down to like, what are the business goals? What's the business philosophy and the mission? And, and are we doing good work? Do our customers like us? You know, are we providing a good return policy if we're e-commerce or customer service support? 
all those things that make up a good brand tend to make up good EAT. A lot of the time, it's just making sure that those aspects of the brand are conveyed properly on the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, great insights. Okay, uh, the next question from Nikolai Shmichkov. How to increase it authority except link building methods? So basically everything I just described is how you increase EAT. It's not, <laughs> it's not like, oh, I bought links, I improved my EAT. Oh, I put the author's name on the content, I improved my EAT. My team and I, when we're improving websites EAT and when we've identified this as a problem that needs to be fixed, there's hundreds of different tactics, different strategies that we use and it's never the same for two sites. You know, it could be like, we wrote a lot of really bad content 10 years ago and we think that's kind of weighing down the website because it's not getting any clicks, it's not getting visibility, the content itself is not good. So maybe we're cleaning that up and we're helping the brand to focus on providing actually valuable content. So that's, in my perspective, that's an EAT strategy. Mm. Um, if you have, Google actually has a lot of specific advice around transparency around your authors and your brand. So especially for news publishers, do you have your authors listed? When you list their names, is there a way to click on their name and learn more about who they are and their background and where else they've written online? There's almost always more that you can do with demonstrating your author expertise. So I wouldn't think about optimizing for EAT as like the way that a lot of SEOs traditionally think about things, which is like there's a score or there's like a you know green flag for EAT that you can get because you typed the right a number of keywords on the page. Think deeper than that and think about what it means to provide real value for your customers and just make sure those things are demonstrated throughout the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay, the next question from Ravi. People are still not aware of it. This uh this is a ranking factor why we consider it in a serious note part for the ranking factor so this is the thing it's like it's not a ranking factor it per se this this is something that google talks about in its search quality guidelines as something that search quality evaluators should think about when they're reviewing content or reviewing brands and individuals and things like that so it's not a ranking factor in the sense that you can put a keyword in your title tag or you can improve your page speed a little bit or put https on your website you have to think of it as more of like an all-encompassing strategy that kind of guides everything that you do from an seo standpoint So I do think people are thinking about it. If people don't know what it is or they haven't heard about it, they should probably start researching it because it's a, it's all throughout Google's documentation. It's it's not new. It's been around since 2014 and it's not easy to to fake it. So I would encourage you to really read deeply into what Google says about it and even the videos Google's done about it and try to think about how you can adapt your strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, <laughs> I check out this guideline, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, what about um, uh, guest posting? I know you told me that we are discussing only white hat SEO, but uh, I remember Matt Katz uh, many years ago, I don't remember exactly, told that uh, it's a black hat technique. John Mueller in his broadcast many times uh, highlighted that uh, it's a black hat technique, don't use it, avoid it. But uh, I often see when uh, white hat SEO specialists, including Neil Patel, Brian D, and many others, Others use guest posting. You know, uh, tell me about uh, using guest posting uh, like what white hat SEO. So, if you're using guest posting as like a strategy where you have a certain number of guest posts that you're trying to do every month, or you're hiring a company to do guest posting for you, like I would not do that. 
because that's actually in Google's link guidelines. There's a bullet point that says large scale guest posting is a violation of our guidelines. So you can number one, get yourself into trouble with manual actions, which are not fun or easy to fix and can in some cases completely destroy your domain forever. So maybe don't do that. Um, you know, but there's there's a gray area. So there's, you know, because we're talking about, about black and white hat SEO, there is a gray area. Um, as I mentioned before, I don't do content marketing with really the pure intention of building links, but do I do guest posting? You can classify a lot of what I personally do as guest posting. Like I write for Search Engine Journal, I write for Search Engine Land, I write for Moz. Technically that's guest posting. Technically I'm getting links back to my agency Path Interactive. Am I doing it for that reason? Not really. You know, I think that actually we get more visibility from the content itself and people saying, I really liked your article than us counting how many links we have back to our domain. Because these things have like a, a halo effect. You know, when you're writing really good content, it's not about like, oh, I earned 10 links this month. It's about like, wow, people are talking about my content and engaging with my content and they therefore trust myself and my team and the work that we're doing. So there's a way to do it. I would just be careful because Google's documentation literally says that doing this on a large scale is a violation of the guidelines. So. Yeah, got it, got it. Okay, <clears throat> if you are talking about uh, uh, ghost posting, uh, I got it. Uh, what about uh, your clients? For example, um, you can write for Search Engine Journal, uh, many other recognizable blogs to get uh, natural links because of your writing. But how you can provide uh, the same service for your clients? You know, uh, if mm -hmm. they ask, uh, please... Uh, uh give me links yep uh, earn these links uh, it, it it's up to you how you can get it because i have uh, high quality uh, products uh, valuable products and uh, i don't know about link building uh can you uh, provide guest posting or any or you prefer other techniques so it's one approach among many, many other potential opportunities to build links, none of which are easy. None of the link building strategies that I'm working on with, with my clients are easy, except for maybe reclaiming broken backlinks. That's easy, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, redirecting a, a link that went to a page that's dead on your website, or if somebody mentions your brand and they didn't link to you and you want to ask somebody mm -hmm. to link to you, that's that's easy, right? Yeah, Everything yeah. else is hard. Everything else requires work. It requires research. It requires an investment. And, you know, guest posting, if we identify that as an opportunity because the client works in an industry where there are a lot of publications that would make sense for them to write on, more so in terms of marketing the business than counting backlinks. Because again, mm -hmm. like if you're doing this on a large scale, you can get in trouble. So what we tend to do instead is like, come up with really creative ideas for content or strategies or campaigns that we think will get a lot of visibility for the brand. So, so sometimes we'll conduct a survey about something specific in that client's niche and we'll publish the results of the survey on their site. And then mm -hmm. we'll use some social media, maybe boost some posts that point back to that survey with very targeted advertising. And if that's a survey that resonates with their potential audience, it's gonna build links. So again, mm -hmm. it's it's more about focusing on the quality of the content than the link building strategy. Uh, okay, before we uh, reply to this question, I have another one about uh, quality of content. For example, uh, you have a client that uh, uh, who uh, are focusing a lot to develop and innovate uh, uh, products and uh, 
have no time and experience with creating content. Uh, I often get uh, such things, you know, they come to me and tell, uh, here's my website, I have awesome products, but I don't, I don't know anything about content. How to help them uh, if they have no copywriters in their teams uh, and uh, uh, have no uh, designers, uh, web developers. Uh, you can provide all these services to them or uh, you uh, skip these clients and uh, work with clients that can provide all, all of them. Hmm. Well, the types of brands that my team and I work on either have the capability to produce content in, internally, or we mm -hmm. offer that as a service at Path Interactive. So, you know, we offer content writing, we offer video production and, you know, marketing as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll determine if a client needs that service, we'll tell them, we think there's a lot of opportunity for you to do video marketing, or we think that there's a lot of articles that need to be written for your website to perform better. The, the scale and the, the types of businesses that we work on understand the need to do that for successful, you know, SEO success, basically. Um, if they don't see that opportunity or they don't agree that that's a valuable thing to do for their business, we probably wouldn't work with that type of client. <laughs> the clients mm -hmm. that come to us already believe in SEO very much, so. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, got it. Uh, okay, we have a bunch of questions. Just the last question I wanna ask about uh, content strategy. You told that um, uh, you wanna provide some articles for, uh, I, uh, I assume for blogs, yep. And um, uh, how to create the content strategy that earns links, traffic, uh, because I often see when people uh, just um, ask to uh, create articles about generic topics that have a lot of other uh, high quality content with uh, uh, a lot of backlinks, it's tough to overcome them. How to find mm -hmm. topics that bring results? That's the hard part. It's the part that requires a lot of skill and experience and creative thinking. So, you know, there's a lot of different tools that surface questions people are asking. Lately, I've been really encouraging people and my team to focus less on search volume and focus more on relevancy and intent. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different tools that show like very long tail questions that people are asking. So tools like KeywordTool.io, I mean, Google Trends even, there's Google's new Question Hub. There's a lot of different places where you can go to see specifically what questions people are asking. And in many cases, the tools like SEMrush or whatever, they, they won't show that those questions have a very, very high volume. But when you read them, you say, this is exactly what my my client or my, mm -hmm. my company focuses on. We, we are the ones that could properly answer this question. So I like to focus a lot on that. It's not always about like, identifying the highest volume question that hundreds of thousands of millions of other websites have already optimized for. It's about looking for those questions that really provide value and then coming up with creative ideas for how to answer them. So it's not just, oh, I'm gonna write a 500 word blog post. It's maybe like, could this be turned into a podcast? Could this be turned into an infographic or, or something that's very interactive for users? So you have to think creatively about how to optimize for this content. There's no, there's no template that's going to work for every site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, guys, I'm sorry that I ask a lot of questions because <laughs> I see uh, I invited the audience to uh, uh, who want to know more about SEO. Okay, uh, the first question, how many average months a website take to rank on a primary keyword? Oh, yeah, it's a broad question. <laughs> 
how many months on average to rank for a primary <laughs> keyword? It depends. I'm sorry, but it depends. Uh, how old is the website? How long have you been doing SEO? How high quality is the content? What primary keyword are we talking about? What's the competition look like? Um, it could be two weeks, depending on the keyword and the website and the brand, or it could be two years. So it could, it's completely dependent on the situation. I would say in most cases, if we're talking about medium to large brands, like the types of clients that I work on, um, it's probably somewhere between six and 12 months for the main keywords that we're focusing on. But again, mm -hmm. these are brands that have relatively big budgets. They've probably been doing marketing for many years. They probably already have a great backlink profile. So if you're starting from scratch, could be five years. It's impossible to mm -hmm. say. Yep, yep, I agree. Even uh, in Ukraine, uh, uh, Serpstat provided some study that uh, our agency has deferred position in Ukraine and uh, in the top 20 uh, positions in Russia. And, you know, we spent uh, a few years uh, to get uh, the first traffic, you know, because we compete with other marketing agencies. Yep, it's not simple. And uh, yep, it's better to have some patience and go step by step. Uh, because I remember we wrote a lot of publications on many recognizable blogs. We took part in, on many events. And yep, only uh, after, I think, like uh, two years, and we got the first traffic, you know, for our <laughs> blog website. Yep, it, yeah, it's hard. can take time for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, the question, uh, oh, about tools. Yeah, I love this question. Will you show your favorite tools to audit websites? Yeah, so I'm in a pretty lucky position where I work at an agency, Path Interactive, that invests very heavily in tools. We, we believe in, you know, a lot of the latest and greatest SEO tools, and we're in a position to be able to invest in them. So um, I use a lot of tools throughout my process. My, my number one favorite tool is Systrix. Anybody that follows me probably sees that I share Systrix stuff all the time. Um, what they do is they provide visibility for any domain or subdomain or subfolder on the internet in pretty much, I don't want to say every country, but in most countries around the world. And it has historical data. So you can look at how visible a, a domain is or, or a company is over the past like 10 years. So that's very helpful for me when I'm auditing a site just to see like what's the historical view of their domain look like? What do their competitors look like over time? And there's a lot of other features you can use in that tool to understand the competitive landscape and, and potential opportunities for that site. Um, on the technical side, I, we use Botify, Sitebulb, Screaming Frog, sometimes Deepcrawl. I really love Sitebulb. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love the crawl visualization. It's really helpful to kind of wrap your mind around what's happening with a website. Botify is good for bigger sites, for sure. Screaming Frog, I use every day. Been using it every day for ten years. Um, <laughs> and like, what else? I mean, SEMrush is obviously great. Ahrefs is fantastic. Um, at this point, there's so many different tools, but uh, those are probably my my favorites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Uh, you know, it's interesting for me that you uh, invest in tools because we have our tools. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to share our tools. We have the paid version. I will provide. Uh, 
the profession for you, you can check out if it's interesting, we can discuss, you know, to develop these tools because um, today uh, our tool is popular in Russian speaking countries, uh, some free version, but we have some struggle to provide, you know, to sell our paid version, but free mm. versions uh, have a lot of traffic. Yeah, people are interested and yeah, right now we are developing and think how we can uh, improve our tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. you can share with your team, yeah, if it's interesting to to know <laughs> sure okay okay we have the question do you think SEO will be almost impossible for a new website in future when every business will have their own website and do their SEO <laughs> yeah it's a funny question mm-hmm. um it really depends like how how much time and, and money and energy can you invest in SEO so if you're trying to rank for best toothpaste and you're a brand new company that doesn't have a budget like probably not going to be very easy for you. The market's mm-hmm. already saturated with not to mention Amazon and Walmart and you know the biggest players on the internet, but every major company in most categories is investing in SEO very heavily and has been investing for a number of years now. And that's, I think, only going to increase. Um, it's certainly increased during the pandemic. So yes, the competitive landscape is becoming much more difficult. What you can potentially do, as I mentioned before, is look for opportunities to rank for content that is less competitive. So maybe there's something that's very long tail, something that's very specific to your target audience. Maybe that's a way to get your foot in the door with SEO. Like if you do charity, for example, and you have a landing page on your site about some charitable effort that you've done and that gets picked up by the news, then now you're gonna get a huge influx of links. And maybe now you're able to compete in a different level that you weren't before. So there's ways in, but it's certainly becoming more competitive. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I usually pay attention with topics that have a lack of quality content. I love the strategy from Brian Dean, uh, the skyscraper technique. Uh, and yeah, we use in my agency as well. When you find topics that have a lack of quality content, um, I usually search for topics that uh, were written three years ago, five years ago, and have uh, a few links, you know, external links. And yeah, uh, when you write for these topics, uh, you can get uh, faster results, even if you have no authority, including my website, many other websites, uh, I check it out, uh, but it's not always related to your uh, exact keywords where you want to (laughs) sell, but today uh, online is uh, uh, competitive, yep, it's better to find these topics and uh, start from scratch with these topics to get some authority, traffic, Mm -hmm. and after this think about other keywords, yep, something like this, okay, um, Tell me, mm-hmm, uh, Rupan Rush, uh, uh, tell me some strategies SEO for social media marketing agency. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends what type of social media you're doing. Some, sometimes social and SEO are very different strategies. Like, for example, we have clients that write completely different headlines for social media than they do for SEO. So that's actually one thing that we work with a lot of publisher websites on is they might change the, the language for, you know, open graph tags or Twitter cards or whatever it is that they're putting on social media. We'll optimize that differently for SEO. So you just have to think about what resonates with each audience. With social media, it's generally speaking, I mean, at this point, you're probably putting ad revenue or ad money behind it to get visibility on social because it's organic social reach is pretty much zero uh, on some of the platforms now. But what we'll do is, like I mentioned before, if we produce a really great piece of content that we think has a lot of SEO potential, we'll often use social media to 
boost or promote that content because you know if you produce a piece, piece of content and your website isn't already getting a, a steady stream of organic traffic you have to do a little social media marketing to get the the message out there so myself for example i do a lot of twitter i post on twitter all the time if i put a new piece of content out there i share it on twitter because of my twitter following that's the thing that's going to get it a lot of visibility and ultimately lead to a lot of backlinks. So the two go hand in hand, but I don't think that there's anything that an S a social media marketing agency can necessarily do for SEO aside from just focusing on like, if there's content on the website, uh, what's the social strategy and what's the SEO strategy and making sure that both of those things are well planned out. Yeah, yeah, well, good insights. Okay, um, Charles asked uh, about uh, links are the lifeblood for Google web search. What about YouTube search? What are the primary factors there? It's <laughs> a good question. So yeah, my team and I have been doing a lot more YouTube marketing lately. I don't mm -hmm. know the role that links play in YouTube results necessarily. I don't know that Google's published anything about that. Um, but with YouTube, there's other areas that you have to focus on optimizing. So there's obviously basically the metadata behind the video. So there's the the title, the description, the you know if you're using timestamps or hashtags in the content. Um, just tagging the video properly. And, uh, you know, there's a whole other world, which is video marketing, which I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in or video production, but I know there's all kinds of bells and whistles people are using with like putting cards at the end of the videos or calls to action throughout and obviously telling people to like and subscribe to your content. Like that's a whole other area. But I do think that the more engaging, the higher quality and the, the better optimized the video is in terms of the actual language that's used with the video, the better it's going to perform. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I usually submit uh, some uh, <clears throat> text on my videos uh, mm -hmm. only with the purpose uh, to find what positions I have, you know, uh, for my Russian YouTube channel, uh, we uh, occupied a lot of uh, the top 10 results with many highly competitive keywords, even if we can't get results on Google, we jump with uh, YouTube and get mm -hmm. great insights because it's not competitive like uh, for example, um, uh, on YouTube, we have uh, 31 million YouTube channels uh, and 2 billion users. If you are compared wow. with Google, yep, uh, we have uh, 1.8 billion websites. It's, <laughs> it's tough to overcome them today and yeah, trillion pages. That's why yeah, I love YouTube promotion. And uh, guys, I recommend you to jump with uh, short videos. Uh, we started to use it. Uh, for example, if you want to promote your TikTok, Instagram Reels, or YouTube Shorts, you can create this uh, type of videos you can check out my channel to uh, find a lot of videos and some of them uh, bring uh, uh, first subscribers not a lot but uh, even for from one video I got uh, 36 subscribers yep it's good you know I, that means it works you can get it um, it's better to find your uh, style uh, because it's quite different if you want to cover uh, short videos but today yep it's it's a good chance to uh, get attention because YouTube uh, shares more engagement for short videos format. It's not competitive like any other formats. And yeah, um, and use other different approaches. For example, YouTube Insights, yeah, it's a great tool, you know, it doesn't cost anything, you know, just check out that. Okay, um, um, I need to check out other questions. Uh, okay, uh, this question from uh, Michael. Uh, what are your thoughts on the latest manual actions for news and discover? List That's a good reasons. one. Good mm -hmm. question, Michael. But Michelle. Michelle. Michael, Michelle. Oh. I don't know. I'll have to talk to you later about how to pronounce your name. But um, 
Good question. So yeah, yesterday Google put out an update about manual actions related to Google News and Google Discover, uh, which to me felt like a big deal, but <laughs> Google later came in and said, why is this a big deal? It's like already in our documentation. Basically what they're saying is that there's a handful of policies around Google News and Google Discover that can make you ineligible to appear there if you're violating any of those policies. And you should probably read through those policies because there's, I don't know how many sites are you know, trying to get into Google News necessarily if they're not news publishers, but Discover, any site on the internet is eligible for Google Discover. And if you happen to rank in Google Discover, I have a client right now that has 66% of its traffic from Google Discover, organic traffic. And that's like an area of search that didn't exist a couple of years ago. So I would absolutely focus on how to rank in Google Discover if you can. Now these manual actions are basically saying when our algorithms failed to uh, eliminate or prohibit content from appearing in Google News or Discover because it violates our guidelines, we'll manually, in some cases, provide a manual action that says your content's in violation of one of these different policies that we have. So it's kind of weird because in some cases you didn't necessarily sign up to be in Google Discover and maybe you have a piece of content that's being surfaced there. And if that content happens to violate one of their policies, you can now potentially get a manual action in your Search Console account. <laughs> Um, but I think it's going to be pretty rare. Like I have a lot of clients that talk about profanities, adult content, and I haven't seen any manual actions yet. So we'll see how aggressive they choose to be with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially Google News and Discovery because yeah, we, it's hard one, and uh, Googlers usually share that you can optimize for <laughs> with these parameters. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. to learn. Okay, uh, um, the next question. Let's take a break. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm sorry, <laughs> I haven't read before. That was very nice of you to ask me how I'm doing. I like when people ask me how I'm doing. Thank you for asking me that. Uh, I've been better. Thank you. It's been a horrible year so far, but um, doing my best. Going on vacation in 11 days, so I can't wait for that. But thank you for asking. That was very nice of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> the next question. How do you analyze keyword competition for a service-based keyword, like keyword in title, URL, and H1? Keyword competition. I don't have a process that I use with tools for that. I mean, I, I, I have over the, <laughs> I've been doing SEO for a long time. So if you asked me that five years ago, seven years ago, I'd probably like, oh, you know, you go into the AdWord planner and you look at the competition and the CPC and then you go to SEMrush and you look at the little chart that tells you how competitive something is. I don't really do that anymore. Um, I think that if we're assessing the landscape for a certain keyword or a certain topic, the best place to look is always Google itself. Is there a Google result that takes up half the page that you cannot compete for because it's a knowledge panel or featured snippets or something else that Google generally just shows the answer to the question without real opportunity for a third party publisher to get traffic from that, that keyword? Mm -hmm. That's a very competitive keyword, maybe not worth going after. Um, if it's a medical query and I see Mayo Clinic, WebMD, Healthline, you know, Medical News Today, is my small medical publisher gonna be able to rank for that keyword? I don't know, probably not. So it's more about the landscape and using your best judgment than it is about reading what a certain SEO tool is telling you in terms of competitiveness. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, we have the question from Michelle. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, we pronounce correctly. Okay, uh, what about transparency? The one mm. is what? Yeah. 
that was something that Google mentioned as part of its criteria for Google News and Google Discover. And they, they talk about transparency in a lot of other places as well. Uh, I think what they're talking about, what Google's trying to avoid is, you know, when you, you encounter an article that's basically spam, where there's a lot of ads, and maybe it's a, like an old, like, basically eHow or something like that, where there's just like, how to tie your shoe, and then there's a million ads, but it doesn't say who wrote it, doesn't say like, that's a, obviously a very innocent example, but let's pretend like it's a medical topic and you can't tell who wrote the content. You can't tell, is that person a doctor? Have they worked with a doctor? Is there any doctor that's reviewed this content? Google doesn't want that type of content anymore, especially your money, your life content. So if you're producing content that could be uh, very impactful to someone's life, like let's say home renovations, Who's the person that wrote this content? Can I trust them with making sure my house doesn't fall down when I follow the instructions on this article, right? So I think the more transparent you are about who your authors are, who your brand is, putting all that information on the site in a way that's easy for users to find, that's what they mean by transparency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, great insights. Um, okay, uh, do you have your YouTube channel? where we can ask questions uh yeah you're very oh that's that's nice is that the same person that asked me how i'm doing thanks zane you're really nice <laughs> um i don't have a youtube channel i uh do seo all day and dj at night and have literally no room for anything in between except a little exercise so one day maybe i'll have a youtube channel but for now you can just ask me things on twitter Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you can uh, find all links uh, in the description below. You just check it out. You can uh, reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, yep, and uh, on the website as well. Uh, what are your views on index bloating in sitemap? Index bloating in the sitemap? Well, only put URLs in the sitemap that you want indexed and only index URLs that are good quality. It shouldn't mm -hmm. have a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, uh, let's talk about uh, the length of content. Um, I found a few studies uh, that share um, that uh, you need to have the length content because it ranks much better, much higher. Mm. Uh, what do you think? That means you need to write long uh, articles or it's better to learn user intent and think how to uh, reply um, the shortest version, you know, because, for example, I read... Uh, one study from hrefs and uh, this guy's told it's better to uh, provide uh, only insights that people want to learn and uh, don't care a lot about the length other studies tell no way you need to write long articles to reply to all possible questions uh, if you want to rank on google tell me your insights <laughs> so if you go to my twitter profile and you click on the pinned tweet it's me talking to Google. It's the Google Webmaster Mythbuster video in mm -hmm. which I yeah, asked Martin I Split literally this exact question. And we kind of joke about it because we already, I already knew the answer and <laughs> just wanted to get it on the record. But word count is not a ranking factor. You shouldn't go into an article saying, I need to write 2,000 words about this topic. I mean, there's tools that you can use to average the number of words that people tend to write about a certain topic. So my team and I do that. You know, that for example, Search Metrics has a tool that will crawl the top 30 ranking URLs for a given keyword, and it'll average how many words those URLs tend to have. And then you could say, okay, if I'm trying to rank for, uh, you know, heart attack symptoms, it needs to be 
probably about 1,500 words. Does it matter that I wrote 2,300 words? No. If the content's good, the content's good. Um, should I write 300 words? Probably there's a huge gap in what the other top performing art content or articles have written about that we're not writing about. But it's not about the number of words. It's about the depth of coverage and how helpful that piece of content is. So if all of your competitors have a, a FAQ at the bottom of the page that answers specific questions that users have, maybe you should consider having something like that on the page. So it's more about usability than word count. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great insights. OK. Uh... Debbie asks, uh, nested sitemap XML, any options, opinions on that? Um, sure, you can nest your sitemaps. I mean, it depends how big your site is. Like some people choose to have different XML sitemaps for like the way that WordPress sets it up by default is to have pages and posts and I guess like authors and tags and categories as separate sitemaps. That's one thing that might make it easier to analyze the data. And then when you're in Search Console, you can see different insights based on different XML sitemaps. Um, but again, it's for some sites, it's not important. If you have a 500 page website, just put 500 pages in an XML sitemap. Google can process it very easily. So depends on how mm -hmm. big your site is. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, OK, I have the question about Ahrefs, uh, Domain Authority. Uh, this tool might show some spammy backlinks. Uh, then should we rely on these tools or not? And <laughs> we, have, we have the answer from Itamar Blow, <laughs> my friend. And he told, <laughs> no way, <laughs> it's not Google tool. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, one time uh, Moss uh, uh, changed uh, their uh, rating. And uh, a lot of I people... I love you, Doc. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people submitted uh, what I need to do, how I can gain... Uh, back uh, all this domain authority because I lost a lot of uh, from most domain authority, but Google doesn't care about most, you know? Yeah. yeah it's better to think about uh, uh, your links. You can check out uh, on Google Search Console to analyze all your links as well, you know, yep, just, uh, and uh, you can find some parameters like no follow, no follow, but you can see all your links and uh, care about them, you know, yeah. yep, it's much better. Yeah, I think there's, listen, Google doesn't use any of the metrics from any of the tools. We all know that by now, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for Moz. Uh, Moz has been basically promoting the fact that Google doesn't use domain authority very aggressively for the last few years because they don't. And that's, mm -hmm. that's very clear. But there's a time and place for those tools for sure. Um, you know, domain rating or domain authority using any of these tools, they, there's a there's an equation behind those metrics that I think is interesting and important. So if you're a brand new website and you run that domain into Moz or Ahrefs and you get your domain rating or your domain authority score, let's say it's five, right? And let's say the people that are competing for the keywords that you care about are 75 or 83. It doesn't really matter what the numbers themselves are. What matters is you have like an 80 position difference between your site and the people that are ranking. So I think in that sense, there's probably going to be a lot of difficulty with a site like that to compete with other sites like that. But I wouldn't say like, we're 100 out of 100. So we should always expect to rank number one for everything. It's, it's there's a disconnect there. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, which metrics uh, do you like to learn from uh, these tools like HRF, SEMrush, Moz, 
uh, I mean, like if you uh, if we skip uh, domain authority, you know, I, I usually check out this metric uh, domain authority as well, uh, page authority in order to understand how many links this website have, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what type of links. But uh, I don't care a lot about. Um, you know, uh, this metrics just to analyze it's authoritative or not. Uh, what metrics do you like uh, on these tools? What do you check out usually? Yeah, I think number of links is important. Number of referring domains is important. Um, you know, every tool has a different, every tool that measures links has a slightly different number. So it's not like a hard and fast rule about how many you should have. Again, it's a relative comparison thing. So you should look at what is your competitor have in terms of number of referring domains and you know each tool also has different ways of measuring how authoritative it thinks those domains are so we do look at things like domain rating when it comes to evaluating what how strong of a backlink profile a certain website has or our competitors have um i guess search volume is important again it's going to be very different depending on the tool i think there's been a number of studies that show like enormous discrepancies between search volume yeah. but if you think about it as a relative thing again so it's like if i'm in SEMrush and i'm using the keyword magic tool what's the comp what's the search volume of this keyword compared to the other keywords in SEMrush's database so i think it's more about using the tool internally and just comparing your site to other sites than it is about like oh i always rely on this one score because mm -hmm. i use yeah. dozens of different tools so yeah yeah okay we have the question uh it's a question about seasons we are getting ready for summer for record control services inputs on optimizing the area pages how to write content for area pages and url optimization hmm. raccoon control services okay that's a fun one um i actually we have a pest control client um mm -hmm. so the question was around like localized pages, I think. So service area pages or whatever. So the most important thing to avoid with this strategy is uh, like doorway pages. So actually, if you read Google's guidelines about doorway pages, one of the examples of what a doorway page is, which goes against their guidelines, is you have a lot of localized pages that are all trying to reach different cities or different neighborhoods with basically the exact same content. So. If you're a raccoon control business and you have 20 different landing pages in a state in the US, that's just 20 different cities, but the, the content's exactly the same on all of them. And the only thing that changes is the name of the city. It's technically against Google's guidelines. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a way to do that that's authentic. It's very difficult if you don't have different places of business in those 20 places, like a different mm -hmm. name, address, and phone number. But, and, uh, it can be very challenging if you can't associate a Google My Business profile with those different locations as well. But the most important thing is that if you're gonna have 20 different pages that talk about the same thing, that there's some features of the page that are unique from page to page. So I don't know if you can talk about raccoons in one neighborhood compared to another neighborhood differently on two different pages, but that's your task. So good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, I asked uh, John Mueller on his broadcast one time about uh, uh, the moving service in Canada. If we move from uh, Toronto to Vancouver or any mm -hmm. other cities, how to optimize all these pages? And he told me, don't write about uh, the education, uh, uh, the benefits of living on the city, because people don't care. They want to know yep. about moving services. Uh, right uh, the distance uh, the price 
price, uh, <laughs> what types of vehicles you use, you know, to transfer all the stuff. Yeah, right. Don't, yeah, because uh, uh, why I ask this question? Because I check out on the top 10 and uh, a lot of pages still have this information but he told me because uh, uh, if you provide much better content <laughs> that people want to get yeah you can uh, outrank them good insights right. yeah. and uh, yeah. don't think only about uh, map optimization you can get traffic if you provide some uh, pages uh, for local seo if you have multiple uh, regions yep yeah, just uh, provide some insights that people want to learn and get from uh, yeah your uh, mm -hmm. keywords Okay, I follow both you guys on Twitter. Antoli, why you seem so inactive on Twitter? Ah, oh, okay, okay, I can, I can explain, you know. Uh, you know, uh, I jumped uh, in 2020 with English content, you know, I think like uh, three years ago, I didn't speak English, uh, but I wow. started, yeah, I, I started English to learn English. And yeah, thank you. And you know, uh, yeah, I started to learn English, and Twitter is not popular in Ukraine and Russia. Mm. Uh, and um, you know, for example, I remember how many resources I spent, you know, to promote my Russian and Ukrainian agency, and we we decided to extend to English-speaking countries. Uh, and uh, yep, in 2020, uh, I decided to find one social media uh, where uh, it's simpler to get uh, attention. And yeah, that's why I jumped with LinkedIn. Uh, where I have a massive audience, you know, because I spent all my time. If I syndicate content, I'm going to do it, but uh, uh, I don't know where, when I can start. For example, like Lily, she doesn't have a YouTube channel because we have a lack of time, you know, we can't cover everything. It's better to choose priorities. I, I, uh, I believe that Twitter is a great uh, way to get customers' attention, but, you know, when I have more than two hands, you know, <laughs> yeah, I will start with Twitter as well, but, yeah, it's a lack of time, and, yeah, uh, I have other priorities. It's better to choose priorities. For example, for my uh, Russian agency, we spent a lot of resources to promote blog, our website, to get this recognition, and uh, I didn't start with SEO, you know, for my English website, because I know that... Uh, I, uh, I can't invest uh, the same resources, you know, yeah, uh, and the English uh, is more competitive niche. That's why, yeah, it's better to choose priorities. And I see on LinkedIn, on YouTube, I can get more attention. Why not? <laughs> Be there. How I feel about Clubhouse. I don't have time for your Clubhouse invites. I'm sorry. No offense to everybody, but it's just not something I have time for. I don't know if you know Clubhouse yet, but this is the new rage. It's like, I can't, I don't have time. Okay. Okay. We have the question from Zane. How much duplicate content we can have on city pages? 67%. That's how much. Just kidding. There's, there's just no, there's no rule. Uh, definitely avoid just changing a city name. Definitely avoid having two sentences that are different from page to page. One of the main things that I clean up and my team and I clean up when we're fixing sites that have been negatively impacted by core updates is something like this where they've done, uh, we had a client that had 3000 city pages. And mm -hmm. if Google sees a pattern like that where there's not 3000 places of business but it's just 3000 names of cities and the content's basically the same, good luck with that. That's a violation of Google's guidelines. Um, mm -hmm. So make city pages for as many places as you legitimately have unique content to say about that city. And it's not just like, oh, there's a parade here on the Cinco de Mayo. Like, it's not that. It's like, what's unique about your business in that place? If you can't speak to that, I would discourage you from using a strategy like that because it can, in many cases, get you in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. be careful. Yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, how do you satisfy your client about having patience guarantee about <laughs> rankings? Good question. Uh, how do you satisfy clients about having patience? Um, so you have to set expectations in the beginning. Like we've talked a lot about competitiveness and, and potential opportunities. So I actually, in some cases, will tell my bosses, like, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. They're not going to rank for that. If they do, I just said this last week, that company is not going to rank for that keyword. They can invest heavily in SEO for the next five years and they'll rank really well for it. But do they want to do that? No, there's probably other channels that are more effective for them, more cost effective for them. So you have to set expectations up front. So if you say you guys are trying to rank for whatever the you know million searches a month head term is, this is how long it's going to take us to get there. This is what the budget's going to have to look like. If you set those expectations and hopefully the things go as planned and the client can have patience. If you make false promises, which is a really big problem in our industry, then you're going to get yourself into a situation where it doesn't work as quickly as you want it to and the client's going to be disappointed. So I think as long as you're very communicative about how long things take and how long they should, should expect them to take when you start an engagement with the client, then you can avoid running into those issues. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um, Itamar Blower, uh, my friend, oh, YouTube, YouTube definitely takes more effort than tweeting. No, uh, of course, of course, I agree. But you know, if I tweet and nobody cares about my tweets, yeah, uh, it's tough to continue this way. But I, I like to create video content, that's it. And it doesn't cost a lot. You know, for example, if you cooperate with uh, video editors on East Europe, that I usually do uh you know it doesn't cost a lot to create video content for example if you check out my channel uh, you, uh some seo experts uh, told me wow how you can create some this video editing please uh, come to me and uh, i want to ask all these questions and you know uh seriously i don't know anything about video editing it's not my uh, uh direction you know uh, i have people on my team it doesn't cost a lot, you know, because I ordered the service in Ukraine, you know, <laughs> and it's like uh, $500 a month, you know, from one guy. And yeah, I can get uh, good video editing. That's why, yeah, if you uh, want to cooperate and create some awesome video, just uh, check out Upwork or any other platforms uh, or on Fiverr, you can find some video editors. It doesn't cost a lot and you have to provide this. But I need to think about Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um Okay, okay. Uh, I think that uh, oh, we have uh, a few minutes okay, just uh, to reply a few questions. Uh, I have a website with uh, FW and you say subdomain. They would like the USA variant to rank higher, but FW has more backlinks. Is there <laughs> any hope? <laughs> hope. <laughs> yeah. um, well, what's the different? What are the different purposes behind those two subdomains? If one of if WWW has more backlinks there's probably better content, more brand recognition. There's something happening on that subdomain that's leading it to have more backlinks. The USA version, I, I, I don't really know what your strategy is, but if that's supposed to be like the English version of your content, maybe the WWW version is not the English version. Hmm. Um, you can use hreflang if that's an international SEO strategy, and maybe you can achieve better performance with the USA subdomain if that's just an international targeting issue. Um, if the USA subdomain is a completely different website with different content, then you have to 
treat it like a new site, basically. You have to earn backlinks for that site. Or determine what the purpose is. Like if it's www and that's English content and the USA version is also English content and they mostly have the same content, maybe you can just consolidate the USA subdomain onto the www subdomain. I don't Depends on the sites. You can send it to me on Twitter and I can take a closer look. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay, uh, we can um, uh, reply to, uh, to, we have two questions. Yeah, just uh, brief insights and we can finish this. <laughs> uh, uh, this one from, uh, I'm sorry guys, but you know, it's tough to pronounce uh, some names. Uh, I try my best. Rupan Rush, I, I think so, yeah. Uh, is ranging behind competitors SEO practices will improve your SEO or we need to build a unique SEO strategies? Ranting behind a competitor's SEO practices. I assume this means just copying what your competitor is doing. Uh, if this is a question about should I copy somebody or should I build my own unique strategy, I think you can already assume that I'm going to tell you to build your own unique strategy. Co copying yeah. only gets you so far. So always come up with something new and different. If you just do exactly what the site is doing that's already ranking, you're probably not going to better, rank better than them. So do what they're doing and then add something unique and better to it. Okay, and the last question, um, and yeah, only the last. Do you consider keyword density or frequency? I have not considered keyword density in about nine years. So, mm. no, I don't. Yeah. Oh, I need to send this reply to my client, you know, because... Uh, Go for he, it. Yeah, he has two websites, and uh, for, uh, he's from Canada, uh, moving services, and uh, he told me... Uh, if you can provide much better results than uh, your competitor, uh, I will give the second website as well. And uh, he uh, asked me, okay, your competitor uh, check out, um, checks, checks out all content with uh, de uh, density. Why you don't do it? You know? <laughs> I told him, because Google doesn't care about density. 75% of all websites in the top 10 have no keywords, uh, only on title. Yep, that's it. Uh, for example, you can use uh, the old school, for example, to submit keywords if you feel that uh, people can, uh, it, it helps to improve, uh, I don't know, for, for a human, not for, for Google. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in fact, I would advise you to not focus on keyword density. Mm -hmm. Probably means you're not focusing on the right things. Okay, okay, guys. Thanks uh, a lot for all your questions. We have uh, a bunch of questions. You can reach out to uh, Lily on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter uh, to reply. Other questions, you can find uh, all links uh, in the description. And thanks a lot, Lily. I know it's a hard time for you. And yeah, it's a pleasure to get you on our show. And yeah, sure. uh, only good Thank luck. You. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And feel free to tweet at me if anybody has any specific questions. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.